Welcome to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. Together, we will journey through self-discovery and fulfillment in life. Here's your host, Jan Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to The Good Good Life. I'm your host, Jan Jones, and I am overjoyed that you are joining me today and you're choosing to spend this time with me. Thank you so much. You are going to be overjoyed yourself that you joined me for this particular show because I've got some incredible guests that I will get to in just a moment. But if you are a regular listener, you know what I want to hear you say. I am awake, alert, alive, enthusiastic because this is a good, good life. And we are going to learn so much today about feeling safe, providing a safe and sound environment for children in need, and you are going to be just stirred in your spirit. I know that you are. So claim this with me, all right? I want everybody to just take a deep breath and shut out the chaos and the noise of the world right now. And remember, claim it, something good is going to happen to me today, and something good is going to happen through me today. That's right. If you can't find the change that you're looking for, then you be that change. And I'll tell you, that is exactly what my guests did. So I want to tell you about this incredible organization, and it is called Sozo Children. Now, you may be wondering, what does that mean? And I'm so glad that you asked, because the Greek word sozo means to save, to keep safe and sound. It really refers to restoring wholeness in a person that has experienced great suffering. And you know, I think that we as people, we are always looking for ways that we can be restored when we go through suffering, when we go through really difficult times and seasons in our life that we just weren't expecting. And hopefully you've got the resources and you find the provisions and you've got a community that really supports you and you've got a place that you can go somewhere to live. You've got adequate food and clothing and that helps. And these these are things that I believe sometimes we might can take for granted. But what if you're going through just unimaginable circumstances and you do not have those things that I just mentioned? And furthermore, what if you are just a child without any of those things that I just mentioned? 
and you're going through some unspeakable events. Well, this is exactly what my guest did today. She answered the call to that suffering and she wanted to make a change in these children's life. And I'm talking about the organization Sozo Children that Suzanne Owens is a CEO of, and she is one of my guests today, along with her colleague, Terry Scrimshire. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a moment, but they answered this call to these children in need all the way in Uganda, Africa. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear this story, to know more about your organization. So welcome, Suzanne and Terry. Thank you so much. We're so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we are thrilled. I am, like I said, I'm over the moon excited to just bring what you do to my listeners. So if you will just give a little bit about who you are, what you do there at Sozo Children, um, and what your role is. I'll, I'll let you start, Suzanne, and then Terry, if you'll follow her. Of course. Thank you so much. Again, my name is Suzanne Owens, and I um, get the blessing and the pleasure of leading this organization as the CEO, and it has truly been a blessing the last, gosh, almost 14 years to be able to be a part of this. So I guess what I like to say, I'm really more of a chief bottle washer, so um, I wear a hat, whatever it needs to be for each day, but truly just loving and leading um, a group of people that are truly called to help the least of these, I guess, would be a, a better description of what, what we get to do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's a beautiful way to fit it. And Terry, let our listeners know who you are and what you do there. I'm Terry Scrimshire. I am the PR and communication specialist, and I haven't been here the whole time. Um, I've been here for four years, and but it feels like I've always been here. You know, you find a place that serves a, a good purpose and 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 fulfills your purpose. I think, and 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 you just you just make it happen, and God puts you where you have to be and where you need to be, and where He wants you to be. And 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 so it's been a real blessing to be able to help them get the word out and do some PR and and do some grant writing here and there as well. Oh, that is amazing. And I love how you put that, that it feels like you've been there longer because it feels like home. And I think so many people are often, you know, searching for their purpose um, in life. And, you know, we all know that we really are here to glorify God in, in all that we do, but to find the way that we're going to do that and the way that we're going to make our contribution. Um, I think that Terry, you and Suzanne have really like kind of hit that one out of the park with, with what you're doing and the impact that you're having on the world, really. So thank you. Thank you for those introductions and for letting our listeners know exactly what you do there. And look, Terry's really good at his job because um, Terry reached out to me, we connected, and this is really, he was the one that orchestrated this amazing guest spot that you all are here today. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful you're here and that you're taking the time. So I want everyone to know 
what Sozo Children is all about, how this started, you know, how your mission is played out and what you do, because I know you are about empowering vulnerable children. Um, So Suzanne, will you just Open your heart and share exactly how this started and what you all are doing. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, I can I can honestly tell you this was not, um, I was a little girl and dreamed of always doing this for sure. So uh, <laughs> growing up and working in the corporate world and then getting a call into ministry, uh, into working with youth really um, I guess was it's where the seeds were planted because we did a lot of mission trips all the way, you know, in our backyard in Birmingham, all the way to the ends of the earth and had multiple relationships with ministers and missionaries all across the world. And in 2010, we had a couple of young men that had graduated college and kind of wanted to take a gap year before They decided to get their master's or one of them was going to dental school to follow in his father's footsteps. But he and I actually, Jay and I were the ones that went to a a trip to Papua New Guinea, which was a place that I even had to look to see where that was on the other side of the world for a Bible translation. But we had gotten back from there and these two young men were helping our children in small groups and leading in some worship. And they kind of came and said, we really kind of want to stop and do a long-term mission trip. And I said, well, wait a minute, what's long-term? And they said, we don't know. Um, We just think more than 10 days. So we settled on nine months for them to go somewhere. And at that time, we had some missionaries living with us, my husband and I, and they had some children and one of their children was born um, with a health defect. And We got her a medical visa with some other organizations here in town, and unfortunately, she ended up losing her life um, while she was here, which was extremely heartbreaking for um, her family and all of us. But through that, um, the individual uh, said, why don't you just send them back with me to Uganda, and they can help me with a website. I'm going to house teams that come and serve in Uganda, so they can help me do that. And they can play in the church band. And we were like, that's great. You know, we know you. We know that a couple of people have been before to Uganda. You can put them in an apartment and it'll work out great. So I specifically specifically looked at them and said, no children's homes and no medical clinics. Just go and be the hands and feet of Christ and serve. Just serve and, you know, expand all the things you can with culture and and Lebanon people. So they were like, yes, yes. So they raised their money to go and we got it all set up. Well, in the first couple of weeks, they get over there and get settled and they get a driver. Um, For those of the, you may not know, Uganda has about 48 million people and you don't want to drive in Uganda. It's crazy. So um, there's more motorcycles, which they call bodas than we fear them because many people don't make it very well on those things. But anyway, they needed a driver. So their driver um, takes them to a poorly run children's home. There was about 112 kids there. Um, apparently, this home started out on um, just really good. And it, it had all the bones there for a great children's home. But Unfortunately, the leader there had had left and left her older brothers and some friends in charge. Well, they in turn started abusing the kids in in terrible ways. Um, you know, I, I'll let your imagination go with that one. But 
Um, basically not feeding the kids, not caring for the kids' needs, whether it be medical, certainly no education. Just basically, it it was just people just hanging there, I guess, for all practical purposes. So um, our two guys kept started going over there with our driver, and they started noticing that the kids weren't eating sometimes for three to five days at a time. There were some good older boys in there that were trying to, unfortunately, trying to find food, sometimes stealing food just to just to put food in their bellies, which is just terrible to me. But then the older ones, like I know one time Samaritan's Purse came and donated 100 mattresses. And they took all the mattresses away from the kids. So all that was in the rooms were just the the bunk beds and a concrete floor. And so the kids had nowhere to sleep. Um, There were spider webs all in the shower where the water was not working. And, you know, something that was made nice just was not in use. So um, they quickly learned that the kids needed food. So they called and said, Suze, can we feed them? And I'm like, absolutely. I'd put money in their account. They would go and get the big bags of rice and beans and they would take it over there. Well, they would go back, you know, three to five days later and they would go, uncle, uncle, we did not eat. And they were like, what? We gave you so much food. And they were like, no, they took it. So then I was like, okay, go buy the food this time, buy the firewood and make sure that you cook it or they cook it and you physically watch them eat. Like, make sure you stay until all the food is gone and every belly is full. So they started kind of doing that on, a, I think, a couple of days a week which was really good and just playing with them. There's some beautiful videos back in the day of them playing with the kids and and just hanging out with them. But they did get one guy that came in that said he was from the probation office with the Ministry of Gender, which is kind of like our DHR here in Alabama, just a child services kind of um, leg of the government. But he told them because the home was so poorly run, they were going to have to close it and they needed a place to find the younger ones to go. And so they took the younger ones out one day to grab some juice and a piece of bread. And one of the little girls, she was like three and a half years old. Her name is Fatuma. She was walking and and they noticed that her feet were really, really raw. And they were asking Dowdy, the driver, they were like, Dowdy, she shouldn't have raw feet. She should have tough feet from walking barefooted all the time. And he goes, yes. So um, he translated and asked Fatuma, why are your feet so raw? And she just looked back and said, because I do not bathe, the rats eat on my feet at night. Mm. And so they they called me. They were in distress, put me in distress. Is like, she's a baby. She is a sweet little baby. Why? Why? Mm. And at that time, it was nighttime when they called me because we have a, a pretty good time difference between here and Uganda. And I'm, you know, all in my jammies and my warm bed. And I just... It was a hard night of a lot of tears, a lot of asking God, a lot of questions. Lord, why? Why a baby? You know, why does this baby that she can't do anything about this? You know, she can't take care of herself. And so that night as I slept, the Lord just came to me and said, it's time for you to open children's homes where you know missionaries. And I'm like, no. (laughs) So I woke up the next morning. It happened to be a Sunday. Of course, um, working on Sundays and and being with my youth was very typical. So I didn't mention anything to my husband, went went on to, to church and did all my things Sunday morning, had lunch with my kids and then went back to um the my office and, and kind of started mentioning to my husband, look, um, 
I, I really had this dream and he really wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, yes, he's going to be my voice of reasoning. He's going to tell me no, you know, and then I started emailing some of my friends in Montana and Costa Rica and some other places. And they were like, oh, yes, you, yes, yes, you need to do this. And I'm like, no, you know, this is, this makes no sense. No, no, no. <laughs> And so that night I get back home and, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my husband again and he's like, well, and I'm like, well, what? And he goes, well, I guess we're going to see what faith means. And I mean, I just stopped dead in my tracks. I'm like, you too? Like, he goes, yes. He said, we, we're told to walk out our faith. And he goes, we've never had to do that. So maybe now this is what God's asking us to do. So that was kind of the pivotal point to see what we could do to take the, the first group of kids. As I told you, there were 112 there. We originally took 17 about two weeks later. So we had to end up hiring three Ugandans, renting a house, totally furnishing a house, buying clothes, buying all the things that you would for 17 kids. And, and these young men were like 20 and 20 to 22 years old. So they were like calling me, what in the world? You know, and I'm like, I can't get back over there right now. But just, you know, but got some incredible Ugandan um, brothers and sisters that uh, two of those are still with us to this day after 14 years. And one of them is our country director. So it's truly been a God-sized story with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. You talked about doubts earlier, for sure. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that we we would be normal if the, the doubt was not thrown in there. But just to see God do the things that he has done has blown me away and increased my faith far beyond what I could have ever expected. So I'll stop there and give you a chance to speak. No, How about that? I'm, I'm, I'm just so, I mean, of course, I'm over here wiping and holding back tears as you, as you talk about what these young men saw and what they were describing to you. And here you are, you know, in the, in the United States and they're over there seeing these just truly inconceivable circumstances for these tiny little innocent children. So um, I could just listen to every detail of the beginning of this, but, you know, I, I did chuckle a little when you instructed those two young men, when they came to you and they're like, we want to do something longer than 10 days, right? And you were able to set it up, but your first instructions were no children's home. <laughs> and that was exactly where their driver took them. So I think from the beginning all of your uh all of your guidelines god was probably up there laughing like mm -hmm, i've got something in store for you suzanne and for you know sure. it's gonna be big and it's gonna be a little scary but it's gonna be powerful so um i think that that whole the whole way that this this was woven by god and to be able to do it you know so quickly how so many people just jumped into action when you even just mentioned it. Um, I, I just find that so inspiring that if we will just share these ideas, these visions, these dreams, the nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us, we have no idea who is going to come alongside us and help us to build it. Um, you know, one of the things I did talk about 
in last week's show when I was talking about overcoming doubt. And one of the ways that we do that is we really make the mission bigger than our fear. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like your story just ties right in to that, that way that we can squash the doubt. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to take some risks, but this mission is just so much more important than me thinking that I can't do it. Right. So as you were building this and as you were scrambling to at least immediately help and aid these 17 children that really were the beginning, how is this impacting your life and your family? And, you know, you thought your husband was going to be your quote unquote voice of reason to say, no, we can't do it. And he was all on board, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. So just share with us a little bit about, you know, what were some of the implications of walking out this faith journey? Absolutely. Well, already being called into ministry, we had a thriving youth program that I just, I loved. And my daughter was young when all that started. So she kind of grew up in a youth program starting about second grade. And my son was already in in the in the program because um, I got to walk from sixth all the way to twelfth with him as well through this youth. So they were already used to missions and stuff. I think it got a little tricky though because we had downsized for some reason. Ryan and I had decided, okay, let's sell our house and just downsize. So we kind of moved to a little like patio garden home because we were like, you know, we're going to do ministry more. We really don't need to have a bigger place. Blah blah blah. Well, that kind of changed because um, after I had been with, well, still working at the church, then the after a year, the almost to the date, the second year, we opened a second house in Uganda with another 17 kids. So at that point is when I realized I can't do both of these well. So just stepping out on another, you know, leap of faith of, you know, leaving an income behind with insurance and my husband was self-employed to trying to figure out how this works was was pretty tough you know I'll just be honest um so we just kind of had Sozo headquartered up at our in our den and we ended up having a lot of other little short-term missionaries and interns just kind of living in our house and um, so it was quite interesting for a few years before I kind of said, okay, we, we've got to have some space because we started, everything was Sozo in my house, which was beautiful. But at the same time, I do believe you got to have a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a private space at some point. So we, we knew to stay healthy that we needed to, we needed to do that. But I guess the biggest thing is just trying to work through as an individual to get your nonprofit status um, to figure out, you know, how do you make this thing a, a, a sustainable, you know, ministry? And one of the biggest times that that we had that really, I think, was really just a turning point for us is we had like $200 at the end of the year and we needed to pay 10,000 for the two houses for the rent because you have to pay all the rent up front. So it was like two houses and 10,000 included other things as well, but that was a lot of money. So we had oh, like yeah. 200 in our account for, for Sozo 
And my prayer closet is in in my bathroom, you know, when I'm getting ready for bed at night and I can just remember that night, just, just tears, just streaming down my face going, Lord, I know you didn't make this happen for it to fail. And you know, Ron and I do not have the money to, to pay for this household and that household. And, and just truly was just, just yearning and going, Lord, I, I know your scripture says, if I ask in your name. And it's meant for you and you're good. You're going to make it happen. And so, Lord, I don't know what else to do, but have a very bold prayer of just have someone send this $10,000, you know, and just just my quiet time, just praying, you know, get out, get out of the, you know, the, the room, get ready for bed, do all the things, never send anything to my husband. Well, the next morning I'm sitting at the table and I get a call from an individual and he's like, hey, and I'm like, well, hey. And I said, why are you calling me? He goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just sitting here working. He goes, well, don't you live close to that Home Depot? And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, can you meet me there? And I'm like, what for? And he said, just get in your car and come meet me. So I jumped in my car. And this was a guy that I love very much. His kids went through my youth group. This was not a guy that would talk to me every week or every month even. So very sweet friend. And so I got in the car, pulled up in the outer parking lot. And he jumps out of the car with a white envelope in his hand. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I need you to open this. And I'm like, what for? And he goes, just open it. And so I opened it up. And as you know, it was a $10,000 check to Sozo. No and tears, tears just, I mean, I could, I was just overcome. And I'm like, I couldn't even say anything. He goes, what's wrong? And I'm like, I prayed last night for this specific amount of money. He goes, well, I got up this morning and got in my chair to do my devotion. And God specifically told me to get my checkbook out and write this check to you and get it to you as soon as possible. And I'm just sitting there going, nobody knew this. No, no, no one knew to even call that guy. And that, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm thinking, oh, somebody's playing a trick on me, but. My husband didn't even know it and he would not have even called that person. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that was truly like the, one of the biggest turning points for us early on is that God saying, I got this. I'm just going to use you. You just be the vessel. I know you don't feel equipped, but you just be you and let me be me and it's going to work. And I'm telling you, he's been right. He has been right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So again, uh, uh, my mouth is hitting the floor from that story, but I'm, I am over here holding back tears because I mean, isn't that just how God works? He knows our needs and when it is for his glory, it's going to come and it's going to come in his perfect timing. Amen. And, and, in our human brain, I, I say this all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't believe how God worked. I can't believe how that happened. And I'm like, why do I say those words as a believer? Because, you know, it is inconceivable. It is our almighty God that is doing these things. But we still just can't believe how he answers prayer, but he does, and he does fulfill his promises and his purpose. And 
I just cannot believe, like you said, this was a dear friend, but it wasn't someone that you had regular contact with. And what really was so funny to me, Suzanne, about that story is how you were so skeptical. You're like, why? What are you doing? I'm working. Why? Why do you want to know? What do you want? Why do I need to come meet you at Home Depot? (laughs) And don't we question so many times? Yes. We do. Yeah, we question. We question <laughs> why we have this this nudge or, or a, a vision, a dream, and we think we are ill-equipped, like you mentioned, but we just have to follow and step out in faith. And and what you've done is truly remarkable. And and I I'm telling you, I bet you've just got story after story after story um of of just provision from God to keep this thing going. And I want to get into um, the location and what is there and how it's growing, how Sozo Children is growing in Uganda. But I have a curiosity question, and and I, I haven't asked you this before. The two young men that really kind of got this whole ball rolling, right? Like, where are they now? Do you know? Are they still with you? Do you still keep in touch with them? Because this has been 14 years ago. Absolutely. So, yes, I very much still keep in contact. Alan is the country director for Asia for A21 Ministries. So he's blowing and going out there. And he and his sweet wife and two children live in Bangkok, Thailand, isn't that? Is I'm, I'm saying that right, right? Yep, they live in Bangkok, and then Jay is married and has three beautiful children and works in medical sales and supplies, and he is actually on our board, so he is local to Birmingham. Oh my goodness! And you know the the fascinating part of this, and you know, like you were saying, no God, no, no, no. When you had the stream, and when when Jay and Alan, you know, called you in desperation for what they were seeing, and you know, again, I just want to remind the listeners, I know that you have you've left out a lot um, on purpose because it's it's unspeakable what these children are going through over there and and what these two young men, you know, came upon. But just the fact that we are not going through these things, but we can help these children that are through Sozo Children. It's it's really something to consider um, to really reaching out the way that you did and for all of us to really, you know, help and and do a part or do a part that we can. But um, what's fascinating to me is both of these young men were going to go and get more degrees after they graduated from college, and they had a plan, and it got completely interrupted by God. And I think that that is another real lesson to take away from this whole testimony that we need to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God sometimes mm-hmm. because good. his plans are always going to be better than ours. That doesn't mean they're going to be easier. And I think that this is, you know, that's truly the case with you um, and this whole ministry, but they are better and they're more impactful. Um, 
Okay, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quit I'm gonna quit crying and tearing up as I think about just all the amazing stories that you have to share. And I think this is a really good place to take a, a short, quick break because when we come back, I do want to talk about the site the education that you're providing, you know, what the future looks like. I mean, there's just so much I want to cover about this uh, Sozo children in Uganda. So do not go anywhere, anyone, because you're not going to want to miss the rest of our show with Suzanne and Terry from Sozo Children. We will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to ignite your passion and purpose for life? Make sure you join Jan Jones each week for the Good Good Life podcast. Each week, Jan will share her expertise and insights into personal development as well as spiritual growth discoveries. From the challenges in the valleys to the victories on the mountaintops, Jan has persevered through all of them with unwavering faith and joy. Life is full of possibilities, and Jan wants to walk with you as you discover those possibilities and unleash your full potential. Rekindle the spark inside of you and rejoice in the good, good life with Jan Jones, where we will all love living and live loving. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. If you have a question or want to share your story with Jan or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888 888- Three four six nine one four one. Now back to the show with Jan. Welcome back to the Good Good Life, everyone. We are, or I am joined today by Suzanne Owens and Terry Scrimcher, and they are with Sozo Children. And we're just hearing remarkable, remarkable stories and testimonies in the history of this organization and how it started. Um, they do so many amazing things. And I, I have to laugh. I was telling uh, Terry and Suzanne at the break, 
I, I'm chuckling at when Suzanne got approached by these two young men that wanted to do a, a long-term uh, mission trip, and they were in Uganda, and she said, okay, I'm going to help you, but, you know, we're, we're not going to be setting up children's homes, and we're not going to be setting up medical facilities, and lo and behold, guess what? That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing now for these children in dire need, and these young adults over there. So I want to get into that because there's so many things that they're offering. But I really want you, Suzanne, to share with our listeners what this continuum of care is that you've got going on and that you've started in Uganda. Sure. Thank you. Let me preface it a little bit with Uganda has about 48 million people. And from the numbers we're getting, it looks like about half of those people are under the age of 18. So when you when you take that into consideration, that is a lot of young people and about 90 percent of those are considered vulnerable. And, and we could talk about vulnerable and what that definition is all day long. But as far as Sozo is concerned, that's why the need is so great. And and basically what we have a very good working relationship with the Ministry of Gender. So any child that comes into our care comes through that ministry. So if you think about here with um, maybe social services or DHR or whatever, you know, you get a child that has a situation that needs to come out of a terrible situation. Well, in Uganda, you I don't even know how to magnify the need um, compared to here. But they have so many children that are just on the streets, um, which there's all kinds of things happening between, you know, neglect, abuse, rape, trafficking, um, child sacrifice is very good there. And that's certainly another thing for another day with um, all of the witch doctors. But when we get a call from the police or the probation officer, usually this child is either at the hospital with already unfortunate things that have happened, or either they're at the police station because they can no longer be in that situation. So a team gets together from our staff over in Uganda. They go with a social worker, usually a mom and our child care, um, child care development worker, and they go to assess the situation. They go, if they can go back to the home or the area where the child came from, they'll go do an assessment then they come and go straight to the medical clinic to have the ch child totally checked out. Sometimes the child has to stay at the clinic. Sometimes we bring them back to another kind of um, home where there's not a lot of children where they can rest and, and kind of ease in and transition into SOZO. Um, so basically, our, our, our continuum of care is to rescue. So that's the rescue part. Uh, our restorative part is the best Um of the best, as far as I'm concerned, the restorative part is definitely about their spiritual being, just to let them know that they are created. Um, they're fearfully and wonderfully made. And just because of their circumstances, whatever that may be, that has brought on whatever to them to get them over that, to see that God truly has created them to be good. And we have beautiful people that are working and, and loving on them. And, and then we bring in all the nutritional care that they need to make sure they're getting the best meals, um, three meals a day, um, you know, tea. Tea is a very big thing over there. Um, and then 
the education, we want to make sure they're in the top places for education. So we don't send them to the public system there. Unfortunately, their public system can have 200 kids to one teacher. And um, it, it doesn't create a very good learning environment. So we put our kids in private schools and sometimes they test. And if they test low, we'll get them some extra tutoring and help like that. But we're we're always striving to give them the best education that we can. And the cool thing out of that is we have hired four of our children that have come through SOZO and graduated with master's, with um, social work degrees, with music degrees. So they're all working on staff with SOZO now. We have one that is in his last year of medical school that is going to be a medical doctor. We have two in law school, and we have one that just got accepted to the University of Alabama to go into aeronautical engineering. <laughs> How crazy is that? So that's that's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, that's incredible. Wow. But yeah, so education is huge and, and we're baby steps, but we're getting there. And if these kids really see that they are academically inclined, they are going for it. And it's so cool to see. So and the last uh, part of our model is um, to replicate. And that basically the way I like to explain it is if you see a drop go into a water, into a pond or, or open water and that ripple effect goes out, we want Sozo to have that child drop in the water and ripple out to the people in their community to number one, share the love of Christ and to number two, give them that same hope and a future to make their country better. So it's not about me going in and saving the day. It's about me going in and being in relationship with these beautiful brothers and sisters on the ground and just loving them and sharing life with them. So that kind of is a quick, I guess, assessment of of how SOZO works on the ground over there. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's rescue, restore, and repu- replicate, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's amazing. And, you know, I know um, I, this time has just flown with us and, and we've got so much more to talk about. But I know that there's so many opportunities for people to actually go with Sozo to mission trips um, to Uganda and help and be a part of this and a part of this education and, and the success stories that you just shared. And that that's, I know that is a very just small taste of what these kids are doing now as young adults. But, you know, something that I, I really hope that the listeners picked up on and that really like penetrated my heart is that when you can show someone that they are worthy, they are valuable, they are smart, they are gifted, then they start to believe it. And like you said, they just run with that. It's like, I can do this. And and you can end up right here in Alabama going to the University of Alabama, or you can get your medical degree or your law degree. And, you know, the ones that come back and work with y'all, that I mean, all of that is just truly so inspirational. And, and I feel like we can do that every day. <clears throat> we can reflect to others you know, the image of Christ and just letting them know people around us. I think we all need that reminder that, you know, we are worthy, we are loved, and and we have special gifts. And, and the fact that y'all are doing it in these children, and then it does have that ripple effect in their communities. And, you know, you mentioned that one, one of those success stories 
is a music major. And and I do not want to end this show without our listeners hearing about the Sozo Children's Choir. Um, this is this is phenomenal to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you all just explain what this is briefly and how we can hear this choir. Well, the, the children's choir started in 2016, and it was a way of kind of an outreach at first, and, and it still is very much an outreach, but it's a, it's a mission trip for the kids to come here as well, and they come and minister here in America. And, you know, it, when a child who's been through so much comes up and, and touches you and says, can I pray for you? That'll get you every time, you know, mm. um, but they come and they minister into churches, they perform, they go around to, you know, 80 to 100 locations around mostly the southeast and up the east coast um singing in churches singing in schools singing wherever that wherever people will invite them to sing really and um, this year um it will be our fifth tour and there's going to be 13 children and for the first time ever they were all rescued out of the local community just through the choir and they will come over and they will sing and we'll get to go everywhere from south florida all the way to new york city Wow. I mean, New York City, that is like <laughs> that was a that was an old commercial a long time ago. Like they're from New York City. Um, but that is just amazing that these children that have that are in the middle of this process, you know, the rescue and the restoration, and you put together this trip over to the United States. So if people can't go to Uganda and love on them there, they can do it here when they come and they go to one of these churches in all of these different states that they perform in. And you can see the light that is in these children and just the transformation that love makes in a life. And they, we, uh, here in America, we can be exposed to these just amazing inspirational kids and we can go hear this concert. And I, I, I personally cannot wait to get the schedule because I'm going to probably go to as many shows as I possibly can. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I just think that that is another incredible experience not just for those children, but for those of us that get to be a part of it and get to attend and get to hear them and to see them. Um, I, I think this idea was just genius for you all to put this together. Um, so I, I'm, I'm assuming that a schedule would be on your website that people can go and see. Yeah, it's coming soon. We've got um, about... 55 or 60 performances already booked and we'll be announcing them very soon. Um, wow. We've gotten them here through immigration. That's a big process in itself. And so we've got one uh, last step we have to go through to get them here. And then they'll be on the planes on the way in January is when they start. And it's going to be called, yeah. it's going to call the um, revolution tour yeah. this time. Oh, I love it. The revolution tour. And you know, that's something else that I think those of us that aren't running a ministry like this, we don't even understand the links that you go to. 
to make something like this happen. And this is just <laughs> one project, right? There are so many things that you're doing. And um, I want our listeners to hear a little bit about what you've got, you know, for the future of Sozo. Sure. What are you planning? And, you know, what what's going on at the site over there in Uganda? Tell us just a little bit about that, because I know that people are going to want to get involved. And, and we'll go there in just a minute where you can tell us how we can get involved. But share a little bit about the future for Sozo Children. Absolutely. <clears throat> we're super excited that back in 2014, we were able to buy 28 acres and build homes on our property. So now our kids are housed on property, um, not living 30 people in a house, but living eight children to one mom, which is very beautiful. And they're all, and we call them quads, but they're all there and they love it that all of all of them are together with their their brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's beautiful. But our our vision is to, of course, build a school and a medical clinic um, and just basically have what we call the Sozo Village. So this past summer, we were able to acquire 10 more acres of land. So we'll have our village center, which will be our kids that are the three to 18 years of age, which will have a primary school on it. And then our outreach campus will have our secondary vocational school medical clinic and our gathering facility on it. And um, so we are in the process of a capital campaign. We haven't started it. We're just in the process of trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, it's a big dream, a big vision, but it is so incredible just to see the amount. We're, we're looking at our impact of impacting 5,000 people a month through everything that we want to build. Um, so that's through the medical clinic, through all the schools, the vocation, just all the hands-on. And of course, um, just having Kids Club. We do Kids Club out in the village that sees about 600 kids every week. Um, so. It's just incredible what we're doing. And of course, would love to talk to you a long time more about that. But it's just in the infinite stages right now, or infant stages, not infinite, infant stages right now. And we can get more information to you later. But um, about the choir, we we would love to come see your school, your work, your church, your business, whatever. So there is a place on our website, though, that we would love for you to reach out to us. And Miguel is overseeing that this year. And I know he would love to talk to you more about it as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about, I mean, again, you are just blowing my mind with what you're doing. I, I, my mouth is just wide open sometimes with the words that come out of your mouth because I'm just like, what? Like all of these kids' lives that you're impacting and that ripple effect, you know, the it, it truly is phenomenal. And I was just thinking, as you were saying, this is this is a really big dream. But if our dreams don't scare us a little bit, then maybe they're not big enough, right? <laughs> and yours definitely sound a little scary, but they sound so incredible. <laughs> and I just can't wait. I can't wait. I, I want to get involved. I hope everyone listening wants to get involved because everything you're describing definitely does take 
money to get it off the ground, but it takes a lot of willing volunteers and people offering their special skills and gifts. And I would imagine that there's just so many needs right now, and that could be paralyzing, but you are not letting that happen. You are moving forward and I'm, I'm truly inspired. I'm inspired by this vision. I, I'm just like, wow, I need to I need to increase my dreams a little bit here. I need to make them bigger, right? Because when they are for um, furthering God's kingdom, I mean, it's limitless. It's limitless what he will equip us to do. And you are truly living that out. Um, speaking of inspiration, Suzanne, what what kind of keeps you inspired and motivated to, to keep going through all this challenge? Well, first and foremost, uh, and this is not the Sunday school answer, but Jesus, I mean, that 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 definitely is. And just just listening to what his word is trying to tell me. But I think secondly is I love babies and by babies that they could be 20, you know, I just children to to be on the ground and see a child being rescued and coming in with no smile, dirty, dirty body, dirty, torn clothes and watching them transform into the child that God meant for them to be. There's mm-hmm. no other I, there. What what else do you need when you see a vulnerable child that can't change their circumstance? You know, it's a different thing if you're an adult. And and I don't even sometimes I. Oh, my goodness. We're trying to think about what to do here in Birmingham when we're I know God's going to have us do something. We we truly want to be mm-hmm. from my back door to all ends of the earth. But God spoke so clearly about Uganda. I'm just waiting to speak so clearly here. But when you truly see truly see change and yeah. and and changing Christ it, you don't really need anything else you just want to go from we we're saying we're going to go for the one you know there's right. one more there's one more yeah and that is i mean that is so beautiful and it's just the perfect way to wrap this up with Suzanne and Terry i can't thank you enough you know i, I talk a lot about courage and resilience and perseverance and the thing that keeps running through my mind with you is you know courage is fear that has said its prayers And uh, you are definitely a a living testimony to that. And I just want everyone to know um, that they can go to your website. They can find you on Facebook, sozochildren.org, right? That's it. I can put it on my show page here. You know, one of my favorite quotes is actually an African proverb. And you may have heard this. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. And I know I that you all are, you are going to just keep going further and further. And I hope that everyone is going to join you in this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, listeners, for joining me today. And I hope everyone truly does enjoy this good, good life where you can love living and live loving. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. We hope today was meaningful for your personal journey. We'll be back next week. Until then, continue to love living and live loving.